Hello and welcome to episode 61 of Beekeeping at Five Apple Farm. I am so glad you have joined me. I have missed talking to all of you. I know I am late in posting a podcast and so many of you have been so kind to message and email to make sure I'm okay. (laughs) And I am. Things are going very well here in Western North Carolina. Knock on wood. Mountain folks were good at social distancing hundreds of years before it was popular. (laughs) And I thank them, everyone, for staying in and staying low so that we can keep everything steady around here. And so far, so good. So I hope everybody will keep it up. I want to send my thoughts out to everyone. This is a stressful time in the world for so many many reasons. And I just want to let you know, as beekeepers, we are all in this together. I don't know about you, but having beekeeper friends right now is more important than ever. Even though the few beekeepers that I've had the chance to see, you know, you stay way back and everybody has on masks and their bee veil. So it's a pretty funny picture, but I have treasured the few times I've gotten to see people lately. And also the few people I've gotten to talk bees with on the phone. It's just made that day much better. So thanks to each of you who have expressed concern and that you're looking forward to the next episode. That always makes my day. And the biggest, deepest thanks goes especially to those on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash fiveapple. Those loyal supporters who keep this show going with their contributions. It means so much. There's no pressure for anyone who's unable to contribute because believe me, I understand that there's a lot of hardship going on out there, but I thank every one of you that is able to join me over there. So today I'm going to talk about the cut-down split. This may not be a terribly long podcast because I have a nuke of bees in my car that I need to go move. (laughs) I brought a little nuke, a little tiny nuke, back from an out yard because there's a very special queen in there that I want to graft from. And last night when I brought her home, our weather was supposed to be in the mid-twenties with high wind. So I just left them in there. They're closed up. I mean, they have breathing holes and everything, but they're, they're closed up. But if the sun gets on the car and it warms up, my whole car will be full of bees. So I do need to tend to that. And you know how it is on an off day, you've got 22 things you need to do. So, But I want to talk to you about my very favorite special cut down split. I've mentioned it so many times before and everybody who knows me has got to just roll their eyes every time I mention it. But it is, even though there's a lot of moving parts, And even though I would only recommend this to people maybe who have a couple few years experience and are comfortable handling their bees and identifying frames and all that, I have found it to be the most multi-purpose split of them all. I originally found the reference to this split on Michael Bush's website under splits. And he mentioned that it was used often by cut comb producers. And so I just skipped it because I don't really do cut comb yet. I'm getting interested in that. Later, I went back and read through it and realized it contained so much more potential. So I just want to talk you through it. And then I'm going to break it down into all the fascinating things of why it works, what each of the actions are doing, and the pieces and parts of this thing that you can use in other beekeeping operations. So the cut down split, here's what you do. Here's the recipe. And by the way, I will put uh, just a hand-drawn illustration of this split. I'll attach it to the show notes that will be over 
over at patreon.com slash and it will be available to everybody. It is a very rough drawing, believe me, of what's going on and what you do. So for a cut down split, first let me talk about the timing because everything in bees is all about the timing. The ideal time to do the split, this does not have to be the only time, but the ideal time to do the split is about 10 days or less before a flow. The reason is that the 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 honeymaker part of this split in that interesting honeymaker part of a split because usually when you talk splits you lose the honey. See, you're getting why this thing is so cool. The honeymaker part of this split can then take advantage of the nectar flow if you time this thing right. But I use it all through the bee season because the other great thing about it is the brood break that it gets and the mite reduction for part of the split. Okay, so about 10 days or less before a flow, you have this big, fat, healthy hive. It's productive, it's healthy, it's full of bees, but maybe it's an older queen. Of course, they are very swarm prone, or maybe it's just the queen in her second year, so she's not really old per se, although realistically that is old <laughs> for a queen. So that she's gone through a honey year with you and come out on the other side. You need to do something to keep her from swarming because of course that becomes her reason to live is to swarm and go up in your tree out of reach. <laughs> That's where mine always go anyway. So I probably should have said this earlier, but this whole thing will make much more sense if you print out the drawing and then as I go through it be thinking about things. It's going to take a minute if this is your first time with a cut down to put all the pieces and parts together but once you start doing it man you're going to love it. So here's just a quick overview of the recipe and then I'll go back through everything. You're going to you've got this big fat healthy hive that you're going to divide up. On the original spot where that hive is sitting now what you're going to leave there are the following. You're going to leave all the capped and mostly capped frames. You're going to leave or place a lot of open drone comb in the supers of this hive because this is going to be your honeymaker spot. That is the original spot. You're going to leave at least one frame that has eggs on it. If it has eggs on it, then it either has or will shortly have larva the perfect age to make a new queen. So the original spot is the honeymaker and the queenmaker part of this split. And then in terms of stores, you want to leave them some stores just so they won't have to work hard to feed those queen cells. But you don't have to leave a ton because they have such a large forager force and because you've timed it with the flow, they're probably going to have plenty coming in. But there's also the possibility of rainy days or windy days that they can't fly. And you don't want them stressed anytime they are feeding queen cell. Now, in a new spot in your apiary, so yes, you can do the split in your own apiary. It's just fine. In a new spot in your apiary, hopefully at least a few feet away, if you don't have a lot of room, you can just face it the opposite direction. In that new spot, you're going to put the frame that has the old queen on it. Now, so this does require finding the queen to do it the easy way. So the frame with the old queen on it, you're going to put all the open brood frames or the ones that are mostly open brood with the bees that are clinging to that open brood. You're going to move them with to that new spot. On that new spot, you're going to put most all the stores that were already in that hive, the pollen frames, most of the honey frames that were already on the hive. Now, why is this? Because you've moved it to a new spot, you're losing your foragers. So these, this part of the split, you got to move the pantry with them because that's going to be the queen, the little babies, their nurse attendants, 
and they need to take their pantry with them. And then you want to put some drawn comb or foundation in there because pretty shortly a lot of those nurse bees will be graduating to foraging. And since you're usually doing this right before flow, you want them to have some room to draw comb or to uh, to have open comb so that they can both bring some of that flow in and still allow that queen room to lay. So again, the original spot, the Honeymaker Queen Maker, you've got the capped frames, you've got a lot of open drawn comb in the supers, plenty of those. You've got at least one frame with eggs and you've got some stores but not too many stores. In the new spot, you've got the old queen, you've got all the open brood frames and their nurse bees, you've got most of the all the stores in the pollen frames, so they'll have the pantry, and you've got some drawn comb or foundation. Now, what is happening in these two spots? In the original spot, you have retained the foraging force, and because you're, you've, you've kept all the foragers right there, they're going to be bringing in whatever that flow is, and because they don't have the brood to feed, you will be amazed at how much they can bring in if the timing is right. That original spot is also going to be your queen maker spot. Now you have the option, depending on what your needs for more bees are, you have the option of just leaving one frame with eggs and open larva for them to make a queen on. And ideally, you want that to be young wax. Now, this is not always possible. If all the, the best egg frames are on old black brood comb, then you want to make those um, the on-the-spot scrapes, I call them. And that's from the on-the-spot queen-making method. And you take your hive tool and you scrape down to the foundation under cells that have eggs or very young larva. So what you're doing, and I'm sorry, this is introducing a whole nother complication, but this is important too. This is always a technique. If you're going to have them make a queen on a frame that has old wax, dark wax, that's very hard for the bees to make a good queen cell. So to help them, you can make these scrapes. And what you're doing is if you if you find a row that has a lot of eggs in it, and ideally those eggs are kind of slumped over, which means they're about to become a larva, then if you do a scrape below the them down to the foundation and ideally take off the just the bottom rib of that cell then you've created a an easy place for the bees to drop down those peanut like queen cells now they don't always choose to do that <laughs> in fact mine mostly don't but sometimes they do that's just a handy technique to know that's from Mel Dickinson's on-the-spot queen-rearing system, which is a whole nother deal. But that technique is something I do use. Ideally, though, if you have some beautiful white wax that has eggs or very tiny larvae, like just like the tiny, you can't see it. You can only see really a dollop of royal jelly in there. That's perfect grafting age, and that's also perfect queen-making age. If you have one of those on new white wax, then that is all the better. So whatever frames are going to have your future queen cells on it, definitely you don't want to shake off those nurse bees because those nurse bees are going to be needed. Now, since you're leaving all the capped frames in the same old spot, the queen maker, honey maker part, there are probably going to be enough nurse bees for a few queen cells. Obviously, that's always critical. But if you are using this to make multiple queens, and the way you would do that, you're probably, like I use a lot of plastic foundation, and so I'm only, I can only get one queen off of each frame on plastic foundation because I can't cut those cells off. Now, if you use wax foundation or foundationless, um, <laughs> foundationless wax, then you can have multiple queen cells on one frame and 
and actually cut them apart if you're fairly skilled at that. Any frame that I leave in the queen maker honey maker portion that has eggs on it, I like to put a thumbtacker on or something on that frame because that way I can go back and harvest those extra queen cells and then put them in my little queen castle with some bees and raise some more queens the on the frame. That's a fun way. But you only need one. You only need one frame with eggs because if you if you only need one fresh young queen. And again, for you more advanced folks who are making multiple frame-based queens with this method, you want to alter the number of nurse bees depending on how many you're raising. Now, ideally, since you've not shaken any of these frames, they're going to be covered with nurse bees. And because they're going to have that big inflow of stores, it's probably going to be fine. But for those folks, just keep that in mind. So, so what's happening here? Okay, in the old spot, the beautiful part is they're not going to swarm on you because they have no queen yet. They have no significant brood nest. They don't have like this big fat brood nest that they like to leave behind because you've moved all the open brood, except for the one that's going to make the queen, you've moved the rest of the open brood to that new spot. And also, you've removed most of their stores. So they know, they're like, whoa, we don't nearly have enough stores to swarm. So you've just, you've got this big, full honey collecting hive, yet they're not going to swarm. So how cool is that? Now, over in the new spot, you have got the old queen and most of the open brood and then their pantry. Now they won't swarm. Why? Because there's no foragers. They don't have enough of a flying force, at least for a couple of weeks. So you've bought yourself some time over there. Now, what are some of the other cool things about that are going on? In that original spot in the Honeymaker Queenmaker area, they're going to make you some queen cells. They're going to be very well fed because of the lack of competition from other brood and because of that big flying force and because you've timed it with a, with a flow. You're going to be making honey over there because they've got all that flying force and they've got a flow and they've got hardly any brood to feed compared to what they did. You've got all those capped frames which are going to be emerging with nurse bees. They will both help with the honey because they, they can um, collect it from the forager bees and put it in the cells. And then also they will help with whatever brood you did leave in there. Then over there in your new spot, you've allowed the clinging bees to stay so they can take care of that brood with all the pantry that you've left them. The queen is going to moderate how much she lays because she doesn't have as much of a workforce. She's got less than half of the workforce that she did. And and they're sensitive to that, so she will moderate her lay laying for the population. You've got almost no capped brood or very little, so any most of the mites in the hive are going to be on the capped brood. So you've created in the new spot a hive that yes, it's got active brood in it. So yes, there's still mite breeding going on, but it's much diminished. This little hive with the old queen, I have found um, because we kind of have two flows in the mountain. We have a spring flow, and then we have a, a summer flow. If you time this just right, this half of the split can make honey later in the season. Now also what you have is any mites that are in that hive, because they're so little capped brood, they're going to be phoretic or out walking around on the bees. They have a better chance, now it's not full, but they have a better chance at grooming them off. So they get a little setback to their mites. Not huge and not complete. So this is the part, the new spot in your apiary with the old queen. That's going to be the part of the split that you end up having to watch carefully for mites. Now the other part, you're going, wait a minute, the original spot had all the cat brood, so that's where most of the mites ended up. Yes, that's true, but they are about to get a full-length 
brood break because you are allowing them, encouraging them actually, to raise a queen all the way from a larva. And that full length brood break is going to mean that by the time that new baby queen comes out, does all her thing, goes out, gets mated, comes back, starts a brood nest, there's a few more days, then that brood is capped. By the time you have that first capped brood, all that other capped brood has already emerged from those cells. So again, all the mites are now phoretic, out walking around on the bees. Now that's not without its own issue, but that full-length brood break does give this portion of the hive a good setback on their mites. Now, and you still want to keep count of what's going on mite-wise, but it can be very interesting to watch these counts and see how well they're set back. Now, if they're not set back, then you need to keep an eye on that. But so how cool is that? So there's this split that you can do that will prevent swarming, that will make honey, that will make you a good new queen. You've still got the old queen. Like if it goes wrong, like if your new queen, when she hatches out, you have crappy weather that week and it doesn't work, you've still got the old queen. So you can either get a frame of eggs out of there, let them start again, or you can just recombine. In fact, well, okay, let me back up on that. I mean, when you recombine, you've got to keep in mind that you've still got an old queen. So you definitely want to get you a new young queen, but you've got options there. You've got the old queen, so it's not like you have a queenless, a hopelessly queenless hive. That case, if if your honeymaker, queenmaker part does not successfully get their queen back, then you will have to take some additional action. Now, you definitely, if you're new to this, you want to refresh yourself on the timetable of the whole queen rearing part because it takes a long time. In fact, it's going to be almost a month from the date you make this split, almost a month before that new baby queen does all her things, comes back and creates a brood nest that, that's big enough for you to actually see. Because it's very difficult to find a brand new brood nest if there's just open brood in it, because this is a big, still a big populous hive, and it will be challenging. But once once the new baby queen has been laying long enough for it to be capped, then it's easy to spot the new brood nest. But that's going to be almost a month. So that's the overview. I know it sounds really complicated, and I'll tell you, the first couple of years that I worked with a split, I literally wrote on an index card and kept it in my pocket, the recipe, meaning that the original spot, I'm going to put capped frames, lots of comb, my queen maker egg frames, and not so many stores, but some. And then in the new spot, I'm going to have my old queen, all the mostly open brood frames and their clinging bees. I'm going to have most all the stores that I've started with and some drawn comb or foundation. So you could literally print the handout out, fold it to where you can see that recipe, and then just refer to it as you're dividing everything up. So you can see how you definitely need the extra equipment because you're creating two new hives. If everything goes right, you're going to have two functional hives. And depending on when you do this in the season, this is the other thing. The old queen part that's in the new spot, you know, I told you they had a partial mite setback, but not a full mite setback. Later in the season, you can actually do this again on that portion. And yes, get more queens. And depending on if you have a flow, actually get more honey. So I don't want to overwhelm you with this. And I know if you're not experienced, this already sounds overwhelming. But if you try it out, and once you overcome the horror <laughs> of breaking up a large hive into all these different pieces, you will have boxes sitting everywhere. And sometimes it can be hard to remember what you've already put in the box. This is where it's handy to have a friend to go, okay, you've already put this is you've already put this many frames of cat brood in here. But if you ever get this down and get this to where it's not horrifying, I believe you will love it. 
whether you use it like I've just described or whether you just use the pieces and parts of it for other things you're doing in the yard. This will always cement in your mind the split dynamics. You will always remember that the foragers are going to stay in the original spot and that the nurse bees are most of them are going to be clinging to the open brood frames. Some of them are going to be clinging to the closed brood frames. You know, all that stuff. This is a great way. I mean, it's kind of crash course, but it's also a great way to really learn the roles of all those pieces and parts in your hive. So I hope you haven't freaked out and turned this off yet. (laughs) Thank you for being brave enough to listen. If you've listened to this without looking at the handout, do not be overwhelmed until you read the handout. And if you read the handout and are completely baffled by the things on there, then it's not quite time for you to do this yet. If you read it and you go, oh my God, this is complicated, but I know what she's talking about, then you're just right for it. It's it's the next challenge on your beekeeping journey. Let me emphasize, this is only to be done with a big booming hive. You do not want to put this kind of pressure on um, a, a new baby hive or on a big hive that has some kind of problems going on. You want to fix those problems, get you a big booming healthy hive before you try this, in my opinion, at least. Everything's always in my opinion. And so <laughs> believe me, I understand that anything I describe, there might be 10 ways to do it, and five of them might be better than what I tell you. But this cut down split, I think it is a game changer in what you can accomplish with a split. So I'm going to leave you with that today. Be sure to go and print out the handout and keep it for later, even if you don't want to do this now. You'll remember it a few years down the road and go, oh, I want to try that cool split. I'm wishing each and every one of you well. Thank you again to the patrons over at Patreon who keep all this going. You really mean so much to me. The messages that you send to me and your support mean so very much, as well as the messages and the emails I get from people on a regular day. On the podcast, judging from the downloads, there might be about a thousand people that are listening to each episode, and they're all over the world. This amazes me. I am so honored that you would take your time to sit down and listen to a beekeeping podcast from me. So wherever you are, whatever your questions, I would welcome them. The email is blueridge714 at gmail.com. I'm also on Facebook at Five Apple Farm Bees Honey and More, though I'm not on Facebook very much. Please have a wonderful week. Have fun with your bees and I'll see you back here hopefully in a week. Thank you. Bye.